We've been talking about family. When we talk about who we are as a church, <clears throat> whoa, had a little adolescent flare up there. As a church, <laughs> I grew up in a house with three sisters, and it reminds me of the time that I answered the phone, and they asked me if they could speak with Larry. <laughs> a little bit embarrassing. As a church, we've been talking about who we are, and, and, and the way that we phrase that is that is our vision. Our, our, our vision is, is who we are, and in some cases, it really kind of goes into who we want to be or who we hope to be or who we pray that God is making us. And, and so our, our vision statement reads something like this, that we are Christ followers, committed family, compassionate friends. And, and we, we've been talking about that a, a, a little bit. And, and so as we, we head into the last part of that, uh, of our vision statement today, and then next week we'll prepare our hearts for Christmas. How many of you are ready for Christmas? Anybody? Yeah, four, five, six. I always say we're ready in here, um, just not so ready under the tree just yet normally, you know. Um, ready to celebrate. I, we have family coming in. That's going to be exciting for us. Some of you may... Uh, have the same, or maybe you're going somewhere. But but we, we spend some time together as family, and we talked about that last week. Family can be challenging, can't they? Just a little bit? Uh-huh. Um, family and fish, three days, something like that. You know, I don't, I don't know how that goes. Um, but, but as we move into the last part of our, our vision statement, we're going to be talking about compassionate friends. And I thought it would be, thought it would be beneficial for us to to kind of make a little distinction before we jump into it today, the difference between family and friends in our context of what we're talking about, okay? So family, when we talk about family in in our vision statement, we're talking about those inside the household of faith, right? Uh, Inside the household of faith, those are believers. Those, Those are the ones uh, that that are usually here. They're they're active. They're involved in in what we call church. We know that we are the church, but that's our family. The friends that we're talking about. We're talking about compassionate friends. Friends are those who are outside the household of faith. And and so I want to I want to read for you Colossians uh, chapter four verse five and six. And this is kind of where we get this idea of inside outside. Uh, and then I'll explain just a little bit to you. Paul says this in Colossians chapter 4, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of your time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So the idea is this. Uh, he talks about uh, in, in uh, some of his other letters where, where he's talking about uh, be hospitable or be kind to those or help those who are in need, especially those in the household of faith or in, inside the household of faith. This isn't meant to be a derogatory thing. It's not an exclusionary kind of thing where we're trying to, to keep someone out. You know, um, If you don't know the secret handshake, you can't be on the inside. We don't have a secret handshake, just so you know. We don't mean it that way. It's just helpful for us, and Paul talks about it that, that way for us. It's helpful for us as we know how we ought to behave, right? To those outside the household of faith. And, and so today what we're talking about when we get to compassionate friends, 
really what we're talking about is those who are outside the household of faith. So first of all, we are Christ's followers. That is our walk with Christ, right? That means that we at some point, uh, for those of us who are in Christ, that we at some point have believed in Christ, have trusted in him as our Lord and Savior. And then when we read John three sixteen, when you believe that you receive eternal life, right? We're inside the household of faith. But we know that there are those who still haven't done that. For some of us, as we head into the, the Christmas season now, we may be able to, to, to share with some of our family, that is our biological family, who are actually outside the household of faith. And we live in a community where there are many who are outside the household of faith. So when we talk about that, when we talk about who we are, we want to be compassionate friends for them. One of the things that is so hard for us to get past is for many, many years, for, for a generation or so, the, the church has really been kind of, we, we've seemed mean or judgmental or condemning to those who aren't believers. Uh, we, we live in, in our, our current cultural climate today where there are many things that are against Scripture. And, and we're going to talk about that, in, not really in detail, but we're going to talk about how to handle those kinds of, of things in, in just a moment. But but we come off, when, when we try to talk about things that are against Scripture, we, you know, the Bible calls those sin, when we, when we do that, sometimes it, it seems like we are known far more for what we're against than what we're for. H- have, you, have you noticed that, any? I don't know about you. I, I, I get to talk with people all the time, um, <laughs> mainly just right across the street at the coffee shop, uh, people are coming in and, and just chatting with them. I took my computer over there a few times thinking that's going to be my auxiliary office, but but uh, I can't quit talking to people as they come in, so I don't get much done. But but talking with people, and, and you know, I, I don't lead with, hi, my name is Larry Evans. I'm the pastor at First Baptist Church, because that's a conversation stopper a lot of times, right? Um so, so you're just visiting with them, and then, you know, they find out that, you know, we've been here 16 years. We came from the Dallas-Fort Worth area originally, and, oh, what brought you here? Oh, I'm the pastor at the church, you know, right over there. And, and, and if, if you get into a, a, a kind of a real conversation with people, when you mention Baptists sometimes, they, they have these ideas of what that means, right? Well, you guys don't dance, do you? I say, well, no, we don't. Uh, in, in fact... Um, a lot of us don't drink either. You know why we don't drink? They say no. I said, because it might lead to dancing. <laughs> you know why we don't dance? Well, n- no, because we don't have any rhythm. <laughs> they try to break the ice, but they get those funny ideas. So we're known for not drinking, and we're known for not dancing, and you know, we're, we're known for being against this and not this and not this and not this. You know what I really wish? I, this is what I, I want to change. I, I want to change this starting with us here in, in this community in, in Clockroft and in the, in the areas around. I, I, I want, when they hear that we're from First Baptist Church, I want them to say, oh, you guys are the ones who do the Thanksgiving baskets, aren't you? 
You, you guys are the one who have the children's programs, aren't you? You guys are the ones who do the stuff for youth, aren't you? Oh, you know what? You guys helped my family last year for Christmas. I, I want it to be that kind of thing. I, I want them to know us for being compassionate friends. And so I want to unpack that just a, a little bit with us as we go through. If you'll remember kind of our, our verse for the, the whole vision thing, Christ followers, committed family, compassionate friends, comes from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. The birth of the church, when, when it says they were hanging out with each other every day, they were having, having meals with one another, that they were loving on one another, taking care of one another to the point that they were selling everything they had. I'm not saying we need to do that. That might cause a, a few more problems. But, but they were so united. They were so together. They were treating one another so well. They were selling everything they had. And if anyone had anything in need, I like the way it says that, that, that they just took care of that need. That's what they were known for. And, and it was so cool. It said that they were having favor with God and with those around that the community there in Jerusalem was taking notice. Look how these people are. I want that to extend not just how we treat one another, even though that's the litmus test that Jesus gave. He said, they'll know that you're my disciples by how you love one another. But I want that to extend into our community. I want us to be known for not just committed family. Boy, they treat one another well, but man, not, not me. I don't want it to be that way. I want it to be, you know what, they... They love each other in an amazing way. And you know what? They, they even love people who aren't like them. Now, I know in Cloudcroft, uh, we, we don't have a, a wide uh, variety. I, I grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth, and next, next to me on one side, we have some Native American family. I didn't know this. We were just people. Um, it's a hodgepodge there. Uh, over here, my, my best friend was half Vietnamese. His mom was Vietnamese. His dad was American. Across the street, we had plain vanilla white people. And then next to them, uh, we had a family from Mexico. Our whole family was full of Hispanics. So we were just a hodgepodge, a wide variety. We're not quite that way uh, here, but, but we have people who aren't like us, even though they might be the same race. They might be in, in many ways like us. They're, they're not like us because they're not believers. But I want, I want them to know outside of the family of faith that we love them and we care for them. And I want us to be known for that. Let me just read you a, a, a few uh, passages or, or a couple of verses as we unpack these three things. Uh, first of all, a compassionate friend loves. I, I want us to be known for loving people, not just one another, but loving people. Proverbs 17, 17, the first part of that, that verse 17, it says this, a friend loves at all times. Now that's hard, isn't it? Um, and I know uh, we, we might say this sometimes to our family. We might say, I love you, but I don't like you right now. Have you ever, you ever said that before? No? Well, try that sometime. <laughs> I still love you, but I don't like you right now. I want us to be known as a church for a group of people who loves those outside the household of faith at all times. To love them when they're doing things we agree with. To love them when they're doing things we don't agree with. To love them when they're nice to us. To love them 
when they're not nice to us, but love them when they're just downright hateful to us. Because you see, that's Jesus. I want us to be associated with Jesus. I, I, I want us to act the... I want us to act in such a way that they look at us and they say, you know what, that's the weirdest group of people I've ever seen, but they sure act a whole lot like I think Jesus did. They sure seem to act a lot. They're not just saying it. They seem to act like him. Jesus loved regardless of what they did or didn't do. Now, he had some things to say. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But a friend loves at all times, it says in Proverbs. I I want us to be that way. Not just, you know, hey, look, as long as you agree with us, as long as you vote the way we vote, or as long as you talk the way we talk, or as long as you do the things that we do, as long as you don't do those other things, boy, we love you. But as soon as you step outside the line, mm -mm, I don't want to be that way. I want them to say, you know what? I have tried so hard to get them not to love me, and it's not working. I want it to be that way. A friend loves at all times. I want us, compassionate friend loves that, that, that we, we demonstrate love. The, the second thing is, is this, a compassionate friend helps. Now, I, I love this. Uh, um, I was talking to someone earlier reading through uh, the, the life and ministry of Jesus in, in the Gospels and New Testament. And, and, and I love to go back and, and read some of the stories and think about them just a little bit. This is the story of the Good Samaritan. I won't read it all to you, but I'll tell you about it. You guys know it uh, probably already anyways. So, so Jesus, Jesus has this guy come up, and he says, hey, what's the greatest commandment of all? You know, they're always trying to trip up Jesus. You'd think they would have learned. Well, what's the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love. And I, I think the guy was like, ooh, got that one. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and this is something actually you can find in the Old Testament. Jesus was, was quoting in the Old Testament. And so probably something this guy already kind of knew maybe might have caught him a little bit off guard with the love your neighbor. He says, well, okay, well, who's my neighbor? Because you see, for a Jew, their neighbor were those people who were like them. For a Jew, his neighbor was another Jew. And he says, who's my neighbor? I don't know if Jesus smiled on the outside or not, but I bet he was smiling on the inside. Jesus says, well, let me tell you a little story. You see, there was a Samaritan. No, I'm sorry. Wait, wait. There was a guy, and he's walking along, and he gets beaten up and robbed and left for dead on the side of the street. And, and this is hard for us to imagine. It is not. You ever been into a shady part of town before that ever happened? We're in Jamaica. We're really careful where we went. You know, it was scary enough right there on the main part. But you ever been? I, I was. I, I was driving around in Dallas. I forgot what I was doing. It was at night, and and for anybody here from the Dallas Fort Worth area, so you you'll kind of know what I'm talking about. And I and I make this turn, and it's all of a sudden looking a little bit scary. And I look, and I'm on Harry Hines. And there's some ladies walking around out there. You know, this kind of lady. Um, and, and I quick, you know, this is way, 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 you know, I had maps go. I wasn't going to pull over and stop and look at my maps go to find out where I'm at. I turned around and went the other way. But, but, but it's, 
traveling in this day and age where Jesus is telling his parable is way different than it is now. You didn't travel alone. There were many perils as you travel. We see it in Psalms, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It was dangerous many times in, in traveling. That's why they travel in big groups normally. Jesus, when he got left behind in Jerusalem at the temple, they, they were traveling in a big group. The whole family's going. There's protection. So this guy was traveling along, and he got beaten up, and he got robbed, and he got left for dead. This rabbi walks by. <laughs> walking over there, you see that guy. He goes the other side of the street and keeps going. Another religious leader comes by, does the same thing. These are Jews, and they see him, and, and I don't... Boy, this is hard. Have any of you struggled whether you should pull over on the side of the road and help somebody or not? Have you? Maybe it's a, a hitchhiker, you know. Maybe it's, you know, someone with, with a car with a hood open. Um, you know, unless I see steam boiling out, I just wonder, is this a trap? You know? So, so, you know, I don't know. Maybe they thought, man, it could be a trap. You know, I'm getting far away from him. And then and then the Samaritan. And, and uh, you know, the Jews didn't like the Samaritans, right? They were the half-breeds. They weren't quite good enough. And, and I grew up in Texas, and there was always a, another word my dad used with the word Yankee. Um, yeah, some of you from the South know. I, I imagine that it was kind of like that with the Samaritan. Maybe they had to spit, you know, the Samaritan dog, they might say, or they might have to spit clear in the mouth out after they said the word Samaritan. A huge hatred. And yet in the story that Jesus tells, here comes the Samaritan. Yeah. And, and the Samaritan goes over, cleans up the guy, takes care of him. The, the idea that you get from it, the guy's not even conscious, takes him to the nearest city, goes to the innkeeper, says, take care of him. He gives him a chunk of money, and he says, this should, take, this should pay for you taking care of him, but I'll come back through on my way. If it costs any more than this, I'll pay it. Huge. I mean, think about that in this day and time. That's big. You're going to go put somebody up in a hotel and pay someone to take care of him, you leave a big chunk of money and you say, you know, I'm coming back through if it costs more than that. You know, most of us say, hey, what, what would you charge? <laughs> but not this guy. And, and so Jesus tells this whole story. And this poor expert in the law, I don't really mean that, but this expert in the law is probably like, uh-oh. I think I know what's coming Jesus gets to the end of the story, and he says, so in this story, tell me, who was the neighbor? <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever noticed this when you read it. The guy couldn't even bring himself to say the word Samaritan. He said, the one who showed mercy. You, you see, a compassionate friend helps and, and, and I want us to be, I want us to be like that. The Samaritan had every worldly reason not to help this Jew. 
The other two guys had every worldly reason to help him. That was their neighbor. <laughs> that was their brother. In fact, in the Old Testament, it basically commands you to help the one who's in need, particularly those uh, who, who are, are of the nation of Israel, but even beyond. And yet it was the one who had no obligation as the one who helped. Jesus says, yep, you got it right. <laughs> no, go love your neighbor like yourself. That poor guy, probably that religious leader, the expert in law, probably had no friends after that because he's the one who said it. But, but we need to step out. We need to get beyond us. I want us to be known is a group of people who helps. And we don't just help people like us. We help people who aren't like us. We help people who sometimes are a little bit hard to help. We got a call one, one thing, I think it was on Thanksgiving Day. Um, the uh, police department up here, and, and there was a family of, I think they're five or seven, I forget, a bunch of them. And, and they, their car broke down, and they needed a ride down the mountain. And they're like, the Baptist church has a van. <laughs> and so they called me, and I said, yeah, we, we can do that, you know. So um, sometimes I, I kick myself for talking too much and asking too many questions. So, so we're with this family, and it's a fairly young couple, and the girl looks really young, and there's like five kids plus the mom and dad. And, you know, we're driving down. I think Hillary was in the seat with me, and I think Hope and Cynthia were in the chase car behind because – you know, we've been doing this for a little bit, and we're not dumb. So we're driving down, and I've gone to, I've gone to a place I've never been to before. And it, you turn off of, the, off of 70, and it gets a little bit shady. And then you turn off of there, and it gets a little shadier. And you turn off of there, and it gets a little shadier. And I thought, they're going to kill me. <laughs> they're taking me to some deserted place, and they're going to kill me. I'm thinking, Cynthia, I hope you have self-service. 911, 911. And, and in the course of conversation, you know, I'm just kind of just chatting because I can't not talk while I work with people. And I'm adding it up. I think this girl started having kids when she was about 14. And we get to this little, tiny, tiny little trailer, you know, trailer home in this trailer park. And, and we, you know, gave them a ride there and I don't think the people there were expecting them, so I don't know what kind of conversation they had after that, but they said it was okay, and they stayed. They weren't like us. Um, uh, they, they had been making a lot of bad choices. It sounded like you know it was a 30-minute drive. I got more than I wanted to know. Um, but, but I think it's way cool that, that our police department up here knew that they could call, and, and I, I, I know one of the hardest things about a pastor is no matter what I say, I represent the church. <laughs> there is no, let me step aside, and this is Larry Evans' personal opinion, no such thing. They knew they could call us, and on Thanksgiving Day, we would give a family a ride down. I want them to know that these people we can call and they'll help. So a, a compassionate friend loves, a compassionate friend helps. And, and listen, ministry isn't always convenient. 
It's usually costly, and most of the time it's pretty messy. And so sometimes it's, it's hard to keep, keep doing this. But, but I want you to know that when we're talking about us being compassionate friends, that a compassionate friend persists. We keep going. The last part of that verse in Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times. At all times. <laughs> Not just when it's convenient. Oh, you know what? Man, if you, if you catch me on Monday... Not just when, when it's all cut and dry, you know, oh, what, what, they need $10 for some gas? Sure, I'll be right there. Well, I guess $10 won't get you to high rolls maybe. Um, that, that a compassionate friend persists. I, I want us to be known for, for people who are going to be there. Not just when it's easy, not just when it's convenient, not just when it's all nice and neat and clean that, because... When we're talking about being compassionate friends, sometimes it means we have to walk through some stuff with some people. I, I don't know about you, but, but, but have you run across people that their lives are just really, really messy? Have you? Well, if you haven't, let me tell you, um, there's a Greyhound station down in Alamogordo. You sit around there a little bit. You get some stories. It's just kind of messy. It's not convenient. It's usually going to cost you something. A compassionate friend persists. We just keep doing it. Now, I, I know some of you are thinking, ooh, um, I don't know. What if we get taken advantage of? What if people misunderstand? So, so let me give you kind of three little guidelines that go along with these things quickly. When we say a compassionate friend loves, here's what you need to know. Loving is not always agreeing. Does that make sense to you? Loving someone doesn't mean we agree with them. It doesn't mean we agree with what they believe. It doesn't mean we agree with what they do. Loving doesn't always mean agreeing. Now, I know in, in our world, they kind of mess that up a little bit, and they kind of think, oh, if you don't agree, well, how unloving of you. You're saying what I'm doing is wrong. Yeah. I mean, good grief, if I love you and I care about you, then I'm going to tell you, don't put your finger in the fan. I, I know a song. Oh, I want to sing it so bad. Um, catch me sometime. I'll sing you this little song. I'll sing you the first part. Put your hand in a fan and you can lose a finger. Put your foot in a fan and you can lose a toe. Put your face in the fan and you can look at others differently. <laughs> Loving someone isn't, isn't agreeing with them. And so, so if we're going to be compassionate friends, we might have to help them understand that. Hey, look, I love you. But what you're doing is wrong. I, just, I love you. And, and, and when I do that, that, that means I can disagree with you, and I still love you. Good grief. We need to make sure we understand that inside the household of faith, right? I, I disagree with you. I, I think what you're doing is wrong, but I still love you. It's not conditional. I, I love you anyways. Second, helping out isn't always handing out. So a compassionate friend helps, but helping out isn't always handing out. Sometimes the most loving thing we can do for someone is not giving them what they want. It's giving them what they need. 
Parents, we know that, don't we? If we don't, we better find out real fast. You know, your five-year-old wants a semi-automatic gun. Good, here's a book <laughs> on gun safety. No, <laughs> maybe not for a five-year-old. We don't always give them what they want, but we give them what they need. Listen, we need to understand if we're really going to help some people sometimes, we've got to help them work through some things. And, and a lot of times they're in a habit of making bad choices. And if they're in a habit of making bad choices, they're not in a position to say what they really need. So they say, oh, yeah, this is what I need. It's really what they want. But maybe we need to give them what they need instead. Teach them how to do something. Teach them to make better decisions. That's really kind of called discipling, isn't it? We, we take them and do what Jesus says. Teach them to do all that I've commanded you. And then finally, real compassion is demonstrated over time. Um, This is just my little kind of definition, so don't go look look at Webster's and tell me later I was wrong. This is my definition. One time is an act of kindness, okay? But compassion is demonstrated over time. If we really say we are compassionate friends, we're going to demonstrate that over time. Not just a one-time thing, but an overtime thing. I want us to be known as compassionate friends. Not, not according to the world's definition. We agree. We say, oh, no, no, you know, that's fine. Everybody gets to pick, you know, and all this other thing. That, that, that we, we, we're adamant, I love you, but that's wrong. I, I love you, and I want to help you, so I'm going to help you by not giving you what you want. I'm, I'm going to, I see what you need. I'm going to give you what you need. And, and you know what? I, I love you, and, and I'm going to help you, and we're going to walk through this together. Now, I know that gets hard, isn't it? Because if you're helping somebody who really needs help, that's probably going to be a long-term kind of thing. We don't live in a long-term world, do we? Man, it's hard to get somebody to make a commitment to go see a movie on Thursday, (laughs) you know? But when we talk about being compassionate friends, that's what I'm talking about. And, And that's why I say sometimes our vision statement is who we are. Maybe it's a little bit of who we want to be. That, that we, we let Jesus do this work in us so that that's who we become. And I don't know about you, but I find myself on that road a whole lot. <laughs> and and you got to remember that Jesus changes everything in us. Everything. The way we look at things, the way we make our decisions, the way that we handle things, the way that we treat one another, the way that we treat other people, Jesus changes everything for us. And so sometimes, and this has been the recurring theme in this series, sometimes we need to start with this. Jesus, would you just change everything in me? Would you? Would you just change everything in me? Let's pray. God, I I know the things that 
that we've talked about today are hard in this world, where the rubber meets the road, helping the person with whatever it is, loving them when they don't, they don't demonstrate any kind of love back to us. In fact, sometimes, God, we love in spite of the way that they treat us. That, that we help them, even though it's not convenient, that it's hard, it's messy, it takes time, and, and helping them sometimes gets them a little frustrated or irritated or angry because we're not giving them what they want, but, Lord, what they really need, that we truly help. And that God is not just a one-time thing. It'd be great, but it's not. Ministry is messy. It's going to cost us, and it takes time. And, God, if we're going to be known as a, as, as a group of compassionate friends that, God, we, we have to commit to getting in, involved in people's lives. But, Lord, as I, as I think of the way Jesus lived, that's just what he did. One of, the, one of the biggest criticisms Jesus got was he was with the people. Who is he to eat with the sinners? Look who he's hanging out with. What is he doing talking with that woman? And God, I, I want us to be a group of people who follow Jesus into the world. So, Lord, would you, would you do in us what we can't do? God, would you change everything in us? Make us more like Jesus. Give us the courage and the boldness to step out in obedience when you call us to. And, God, we know that it might be on a Thanksgiving or it might be on a Christmas or it might be late at night or it might be on our way somewhere that we're already a little bit late. Lord, would you do that in us? Would you help us to be sensitive to your leading and then give us the courage and the boldness to be obedient? And God, we, we, don't, we don't pray that you develop within us uh, hearts of compassion for this community, for us, so that people can say, oh, what a, great, what a great church that is. What a great group of people that is. But God, the reason for all this is so that people can come to a, a life-changing faith in Jesus Christ, that they can come to a saving faith in him and everything in their life is changed, that they can be brought into the family. And God, I pray that you would work in our hearts in such a way that you would change us. I pray that you'd work in this group of people that we, we call First Baptist Church Clawcroft in such a way that you would not only change us from the inside, but or change the way that we act on the outside. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you pray this?